when you look at life, at least in the United States, a lot of our life involves containers. When you go into a grocery store, you see containers of just about every shape and size. When you go to the vegetable aisle, containers. You want to buy mustard or ketchup or pick pickles, containers. Milk, if that's a product that we want to buy, it is contained in a jug. Then when we get to the checkout counter, our groceries are contained in maybe a sack, a box, or, or maybe they're contained in our arms. But when we look at life, we find that containers are all around us. They are um, objects that come in various sizes, many different shapes, and many different types. When we think about containers, we know that they are designed to hold things. When we look at the Bible, it also tells us that there are containers that we need to pay attention to. For example, um, our body, our physical body is basically a container. It holds who we are. We could take who we are and potentially put that somewhere else, but our body is just a container for um, um, our individuality. The Bible also treats faith as a type of container. Uh, we announced last week that we're going to study the Christian graces or the Christian qualities that Peter, Peter talks about in Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 5. And we noted how he begins that list by talking about being diligent in certain things. And as he says, be diligent, as you continue through that list, the first quality that he mentions is faith. Faith is good. Faith is necessary. We cannot please God without faith. But as you think about faith, you find that this particular quality is in many respects like a container. It is designed, if you will, to have things put into it. Just as we would put things into a sack or a box or something else, faith is designed to operate in much the same way. Tonight, we want to think about some of the things which can and need to be put into the sack of faith, if you will. We begin with uh, the information that Paul gave to the Thessalonians in the last chapter of that first epistle, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. He said, But let us, since we are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Paul said to these Christians, you need to put on the breastplate of faith and love. Valuable items are usually put in a container. When we think about the qualities in 2 Peter chapter 1, we have certainly some very important things. And these are items that need to be stored in a safe place. Faith is that container where these qualities are stored. There's also a sense in which we might say love is a container, but that's not the um, point being emphasized tonight. tonight. Faith is the holding place for Christian virtues, and it is a very safe holding place. The idea of faith holding various Christian qualities, or being that sack, if you will, is reflected in a lot of different passages. One of those places is Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. Here is a place where Jesus spoke to people who he said had a small amount of faith. O ye of little faith. Now, if a person has a small amount of faith, that is better than not having any faith at all. But as you think about a small amount of faith, that's not going to be a very good breastplate. That's not going to be a very good defense against some things for Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. A small amount of faith is not going to be a very large container. Faith is something that we need. And as we go through life, we want that faith to be increasing, growing. We want to have a faith that is like a big box. And that box is able to contain or hold many things. The Bible tells us that it is possible to have great faith. Jesus said, a man, Matthew 8, verse 10, who was a Gentile, happened to have great faith. The Lord, in commenting on this man's faith, said it was greater than he had seen in the entire nation of Israel. Tonight, as we sit here, if we were to liken our faith to a box, how big would it be? How large would that box, how big would that container be? Would it be like a wedding ring box? And we would say, well, that's kind of our faith. Or as we think about our faith, would it be like the trailer that's pulled by a semi, a very large container? 
Well, we know God's will for our life, that is, he wants us to have as much faith as possible. And this is demonstrated in a lot of different ways. In the book of Acts, chapter 6, we read about seven men who served in a very special way. We remember, I think, one of the names as far as the seven people who are listed there, that is Stephen. As Luke describes this particular man, one of the qualities that he associates with his life is faith. Luke says this man not only had faith, but Luke specifically says this man, Stephen, was full of faith. The New Testament specifically describes him with this quality. Now, when we look at our day and time, we find that people are often full of different things. Uh, we find that people may be full of themselves. That happens sometimes. Others may be full of deceit. Some are full of gossip. Others are full of sin. But the Bible tells us in Acts 6 through the life of Stephen that it is possible to have a life where we are full of faith. And if that's our life, then we are in a good position to begin adding the things uh, to that faith that need to be in that spiritual box. Many who have read the New Testament are familiar with the name Barnabas. He's uh, not mentioned all that many times, but um, he is mentioned in a very commendable way, and he's, he sort of sticks out, even though there are not many passages which describe him. When we hear the name Barnabas, or when many hear the name Barnabas, I think two things pop to mind. First of all, people would say, oh, Barnabas, yes, he was that man who was generous. He was a good giver, and that's certainly true. Barnabas was a willing giver. When you look a little deeper into Barnabas's life, you find that he was also an encourager. Now, people may not be as familiar with the second fact as they are the first, but these are probably the top two things that people know about Barnabas. If you look carefully at the life of Barnabas, there is a third thing that comes to light about this man. The Bible says he was not only a man of faith, but he was a man of great faith. Acts 11.24, in talking about Barnabas, says he was full of faith. God apparently believed that that description was important enough to include it in his word. Barnabas was a good giver, but what caused him to act in that way? What was the basis for his deciding to be a good giver? Barnabas was a great encourager. Again, several people know that particular fact, but what was the basis for that activity? It's explained, at least in part, in Acts 11.24. He was a man who had great faith. When people have great faith, they can do great things. People with little faith usually do little things. Faith is the beginning point, it is the middle point, and it is the ending point in the Christian life. That's why when Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 1 verse 17, he spoke of faith unto faith. Back in 1983, Teresa and I were hanging around uh, with another fellow who was in the military, we spent a lot of time together, and one day he said, there is this passage, Brad, that really puzzles me. I don't know what it means. It's Romans 1.17. I said, let's look at it together. And that's the passage where Paul talks about faith unto faith. And I looked at that verse and I thought, I don't have a clue what that means. And I thought about it and struggled with that passage for several years. And I thought, I just don't understand it. And as the years went by, things began to get a little clearer. And then finally, I don't, I'm not claiming I've got it all figured out. But I finally came to the conclusion where I think I've got a halfway decent understanding of Romans 1.17. When Paul refers to faith unto faith, he means that the entire gospel system Everything that is related to Christianity is based on faith. Not faith only, but faith. Faith is the very foundation for who or what a Christian is. It is like that box that we said initially in which we put all the various qualities associated with Christianity. We repent, but why? Because of faith, is it not? We believe, so we repent. We confess, but why? Is it not because we have faith? We're baptized, but why? Because we have faith. We come together and worship, but why? Because we have faith. Every single thing that I can think of relative to Christianity goes back 
to faith. So it literally is a life that is faith unto faith. Worship, salvation, everything. When we think about faith, we normally think about individuals. It is certainly true that as we look at faith in the New Testament, much is said about individual uh, Christians. But Luke says something that's almost odd in Acts chapter 16, verse 5. He wrote in that particular passage that churches, not individuals, but congregations, were strengthened in the faith. Now that passage tells us that entire congregations can have their faith expanded. In this particular text, it seems like the primary emphasis uh, is related to doctrine. That is, these Christians were um, better established in the uh, various teachings that we find in the New Testament. Doctrinal instruction is the um, uh, great point there. But Christians, even though that is the main point, uh, the overall faith that they had uh, would have been strengthened as well. We want to broaden the faith of individual Christians as well as the faith that exists in entire congregations. If a congregation thinks that it cannot do much for God, guess what? It's not going to do much for God. But if a congregation has great faith, then more than likely it can do great things. If a congregation wants to do great things, it must have great faith. That means that the leaders in a local congregation must be people of faith. It means that the parents in a local congregation need to be people of faith. The deacons in a local congregation need to be men of faith. The wives in the congregation need to be women of faith. Our Bible class teachers in a local congregation need to be people of faith. Having faith is not only important, it pays a wide variety of dividends. In the book of Romans chapter 1 verse 12, a little earlier from Romans 1.17, but the same chapter, Paul refers to a time when Christians were comforted by the faith of one another. In life, as we look at people, we find that comfort often comes because people have faith or they believe in someone or something. I don't know how true this is now, but at least in the past, a lot of people had faith in the U.S. dollar. If I've got American currency, I've got faith in that. Now, for some, that's been shaken a little bit, but by and large, I think a lot of people still have faith uh, in the U.S. dollar. The rich man is similar in Luke chapter 12. He had faith in his money and that faith in his wealth the bigger barns that I have I can eat and, and be okay for many years he had faith in that and that gave him great comfort but you know as you look at the man in Luke 12 as you look at people that have had faith in the wealth of a particular country uh, that has not always worked out all that well it certainly didn't work out well for the rich man in Luke chapter 12 if we have faith though in what's sure if we have faith in what cannot fail then as we see in Romans 1:12, we should get great comfort from that too often people have faith in something, uh, they find comfort in it, but the faith is misplaced. In the Corinthian letter, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 5, Paul refers to those who had faith, but he said that that faith was in the wisdom of men. Well, that still happens today, doesn't it? Maybe not in the religious realm, it does happen there, but maybe it happens in the financial arena. People have faith in the fact that someone is going to invest their money and be um, um, upfront and faithful and honest with them. But eventually, and there was another story about that this past week, maybe you saw the information about the guy in Florida, there were people who had faith in this particular fella, and they realized, they learned later that their faith had been misplaced. Having faith in the honesty, having faith in the integrity of others has not always worked out that well. Faith in men has frequently led people to great disappointment. But when you look at faith in God, if that's where our box is, if that's the foundation in our life, that is never something that disappoints. God is the one who always keeps his promises. With God, we can have sure faith and we can expand that faith and, and should do that as fully as possible. 
Faith is so important that Paul, in writing the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, said, there are three things that abide. Paul told the Corinthians in that 13th chapter that spiritual gifts were going to vanish away. The gift of tongues, Paul said it's going to disappear. The ability to interpret those tongues, those foreign languages, Paul said it's going to go away. Prophecy is going to be removed. Healings, Paul said, they're going to exist for a while, but they also will terminate. The supernatural knowledge that you and others have, that's also going to be removed. There were many gifts. God was going to take them away. He did take them away at the end of the first century. Uh, Paul said when the perfect comes, that would, of course, refer to the Bible, the complete word of God. Um, the perfect is not a reference to Jesus or uh, the Lord's second coming. We know that because Paul uses the neuter there. He says when that which has come. Had he been thinking about Jesus, he would have said when he who comes. But he didn't say when he who, Jesus comes. He says when that which comes. Uh, and that, of course, is a reference to the perfect law of liberty, James 1.25, the completed New Testament. Well, the perfect, the completed Bible has come. We have the 27 books of the New Testament. But even though the spiritual gifts have been taken away, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, three things remain. Love continues to exist. We know that and believe that to be true. Hope, item number two, continues to exist. Faith also continues to exist. And just as we should try to increase in love, and just as our hope should grow, so our faith should increase. In fact, in the last chapter of that book, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Paul said, stand fast in the faith. Abide in the doctrine of Christ. Do not move away from what's right. Faith should grow. Faith should expand. It should increase. So it's like Stephen's faith in Acts 6. We talk about the great faith of Stephen in Acts 6, and then we see it illustrated in Acts chapter 7. This man, because of his faith, he was willing to die for it. He was willing to let people stone him because he believed so firmly in Jesus Christ. We want to have the kind of faith that allows us to live by that faith. 2 Corinthians 5.7 Paul said that God's people are to walk by faith instead of by sight. Think if you will tonight. If someone said to you, maybe you trust them implicitly, maybe you just trust them quite a bit. Uh, suppose someone said to you, uh, we're going to blindfold you. You can't see and maybe we're going to take away your ability to hear. And we have uh, quite a few steps here. And after you've been blindfolded, I want you to have faith in me that I'm going to lead you safely down the steps. Now most of us might say, well, okay, depending on who you are, I'll agree to that. Let's take the illustration one step further. Let's suppose that someone said, well, I'm going to uh, blindfold you and you're not going to be able to hear. And I'm going to take you to an area where there is a thousand foot cliff, just a sheer drop off on this particular cliff. And I'm going to walk you along the edge of the cliff blindfolded. I want you to have faith in me that you're going to be able to make that trip and, and you're not going to fall off. We would be walking by faith instead of by sight in both of those circumstances. But you know, to do that, if somebody's going to take me to a thousand foot cliff that the drop off is sheer and they're going to have me blindfolded, I need to really trust that person. And I think that is true for most others as well. I've got to have implicit 100% faith in you. Well, God says to us, trust me. Put your faith in me. Depend on me even when you can't see the big picture in life. Even if it feels like you're walking blindfolded and you can't hear. On the edge of a thousand foot cliff, God says, rely on me. Walk by faith, not by sight. Now that's easy to say, but it is not easy to do. It's very difficult. Yet that's what God tells us to do and that's what we need to do. 
Christianity is faith unto faith, Romans 1.17. It is the beginning point, it is the middle point, it is the ending point. Faith is the foundation stone on which so many other things are built. The smaller our faith is, the less we will reflect the Christian qualities described in the New Testament. Paul, in writing the second Corinthian letter, said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, God wants us to abound. He goes on to say he wants us to abound in everything. But you know, as Paul explains that to the Corinthians, the first thing on the list as far as abounding in something is faith. Abound in faith, plus all these other items. If faith abounds, we will have a good shield of faith. Ephesians 6.16 to deflect Satan's arrows. The Bible in Hebrews 11 says that Noah built an ark by faith. It goes on to say in that chapter that Abraham had enough faith to go out and virtually slay his son. Hebrews 11.17. Moses' parents, Hebrews 11.23, had enough faith to defy an ungodly government. The children of Israel, Hebrews 11.29, had enough faith to pass through the Red Sea. The people of Israel had enough faith to literally bring down the walls of Jericho, Hebrews 11, verse 30. When you look at that chapter, you find that faith is a precious thing. It's a valuable thing. And Peter even associates the word precious with the word faith in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. When we think about faith, the book of Revelation chapter 2, verse 19 tells us that God knows our faith. He knows if it's small. He knows if it's medium. He knows if it's big, he knows if it's decreasing or increasing. Tonight, what does God know about our faith? Does he know it's small? Does he know it's weak? Does he know it's declining? Does he know it's growing? Or does he know that it's great? We sometimes speak about and sing of how love is the golden chain that binds. And in many respects, that's true. Paul makes that point in 1 Corinthians 13 where love does bind a lot of things together. But the sack that holds so many of those things that love binds together is faith. And when you think about the Christian lives that some people are trying to live, they have a sack of faith. But there are some holes in the bottom of that sack. And their faith is not a very effective and efficient faith. Tonight, if you are someone that as you look at your life, your faith, and you think, my faith needs help. My sack, my box of faith has some holes in the bottom of it. We need to correct that. We'd like to help you. If you have the faith, but you've not acted on it, you need to obey. The Bible refers to obeying the faith in a lot of different passages. Tonight you can do that. If you believe, faith should motivate you to repent. Faith should motivate you to confess that Christ is the Son of God. Faith should motivate you to be uh, baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you've done those things, you want to have the faith which continues to propel you onward to live a faithful Christian life life. If you need to become a Christian, or if your faith is faltering, or there's another way that we can help, and you'd like to receive the assistance from those who are here, will you let us know as we stand and sing the selected song? There's a fountain free for you and me Let us haste oh haste to its spring Tis a fountain from the source above, and he bids us all freely drink. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Tis for you and me, thirsty soul, hear the